We're going to do the scripture first. Denise is going to bring something that uh, I said, no, I'm not going to forget that. I forgot. It's in my office. And it's absolutely vital to what I'm going to do. But we're going to start with scripture. We're going to start um, in, in my tribe, the Anglican tribe. When the gospel is read, we stand. Would you mind doing that with me? It'll make me feel more at home. I'd appreciate that. This is the parable of the talents. You probably recognize it from Matthew 25. Bless you, Denise. Yeah, you can bring it right up. Thanks. As long as my lunch isn't in there as well. Good. Okay. Matthew 25, 14 to 30, but we're going to skip a little bit with a paraphrase in the middle. Jesus is speaking and says, Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Then the man who had received one, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot the middle bit. The master returns and congratulates five-bag servant and two-bag servant for having doubled his money while he was gone. Well done, come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, so I was afraid, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Let me start with how not to read or hear this parable. Parables are tricky things. They come from the same Greek word that we get parabola from, which means going around. So trying to make a straight line in a parable is not a good idea. The disciples often got it wrong and sometimes went to Jesus and asked, and I think that was mainly the point of parables. When you ask, you find out. If you don't ask, you're likely to get it wrong. The most important thing in this parable is to recognize that it's not an allegory where the master is God and the bags of gold are your abilities, and the point is to feel really, really guilty about what you've been given or afraid of what may be coming. That's a bumper sticker that I saw once. Jesus is coming. Look busy. In context, the story of the master and the bags of gold illustrates at least two important truths. God's kingdom is near in time and place. In fact, it has already arrived, though not in its fullness. But if God's kingdom is near, you and I don't have infinite time or even necessarily a lot of time to use what has been given us. And that's the second point. Quite a lot has been given us. 
We are, every one of us, gifted people. Gifted. The word that's translated bags of gold in the gospel account that we saw on the screen and read, that word has traditionally been translated as talents because in 1611, it was used in the King James Bible and it became embedded in the English language. And talent before that used to mean simply a weight of gold or silver or something else that could be used as money. And it was a unit of trade. I want to buy five talents of wheat would be a perfectly normal thing to say. But since 1611, because it got embedded in the Bible and then embedded in the language, the primary meaning of talent is what you think of when you hear the word now. It's the special giftedness or ability or mental faculty that you have been born with. Which brings me to peppermint patty. What else? And now I have to stop because I forgot to do this. This is about gifts today, so we had to have a gift. Does anybody have a birthday today? Is there one? Did you see one? Within, within two days of today, like either two days before? Come on up. Christina Myers? Oh, she doesn't come to chapel. She doesn't get the gift. Anybody within two days of today? Three, three days? Last Sunday. You're the man. That is for you with my wife's compliments, because she did the wrapping and the buying. And can, can you say what it is? It's peppermint patties. What else would it be? Peppermint Patty, her last name is Reichardt. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know it before I started doing some research for this. Peppermint Patty Reichardt from Charles Schultz's genius comic strip, Peanuts. A tomboy, hopelessly in love with Charlie Brown, the boy that no one loves, and ironically, the boy who seems oblivious to Patty's feelings for him. Isn't that the way it is with boys? All the women in the room said amen to that one. Peppermint Patty is famous for always getting a D minus on her schoolwork. In one strip, her teacher actually inducts her into the D minus Hall of Fame. One of the famous strips involving Peppermint, Peppermint Patty has her reading a poster advertising a special class for gifted students. Isn't that great, Marcy, she says? A class where they give you presents. So she signs up with her D-minus record, only to find out that that isn't quite what they had in mind when they said this was for gifted children. But that's Patty, who always gets everything wrong. She even gets getting things wrong, wrong. The other girls in her class wear pleated skirts and pretty blouses and patent leather shoes with little silver buckles and white socks mostly. This is the 1960s, after all. Patty wears shorts and t-shirts and sandals on her bare feet, even in winter. And those sandals cause a problem because the principal says she'll be expelled from school 
for failing to meet the dress code. She hires an attorney. <laughs> she does. She hires Snoopy as an attorney. She doesn't seem to quite grasp that he's not a human. But this is where we find out the backstory that Peppermint Patty's mother died when she was just little, that her dad works long hours away from home, that Patty is afraid to go to sleep when her father's not home, which is why she falls asleep in class and gets those D minuses. And we also learn that the most important clue to what's going on in Patty's mind and heart is what's on her feet. You probably can't read the text. I'll read it for you. Patty says, I saw a pair of sandals in a store one day and I asked my dad if I could have them. He said, you most certainly may have them because you are a rare gem. Now they say I can't wear them to school anymore because of the dress code. What am I going to do? I love my sandals. And she sniffs. And in the next, the third panel, Snoopy kisses her smack. And in the fourth panel, he says, I kissed away a tear. Peppermint Patty's dad looked at his little motherless, sleepless, D-minus tomboy of a daughter and said, of course you can have a pair of sandals because you are a rare gem. Is Peppermint Patty a gifted student? Are you? She's tough and determined. She's fiercely devoted to her father and her friends. She's full of love, asked Charlie Brown. She's a natural athlete. She once pitched a perfect game, a no-hitter, and then handed the ball to Charlie Brown at the top of the ninth to strike out the very last batter. The score was 50 to nothing for their team. Charlie Brown lost it 50 runs to 51. <laughs> Patty may not be an A student, but she's gifted in every way that matters. And so, of course, are you. Gifted, I mean. And how much or how little each one of us is gifted doesn't matter a fig. I once heard of a graduation speaker who began her speech by saying, My Lord Chancellor, Mr. President, distinguished guests, faculty, A students, B students, and my friends. Maybe you and I would be among her friends coming in somewhere after the A's and B's. In the parable, the five-bag five-talent servant got exactly the same return on his investment, 100%, as the two-bag, two-talent servant. Their worth in money wasn't nearly the same, but the master praised both of them equally because of their faithful stewardship with what had been given. The one-bag, one-talent servant was not condemned because he hadn't contributed enough to the master's retirement fund, but because he'd been afraid to take a risk to use what he'd been given, to invest his talent for the sake of pleasing his master. Now, put yourself in the place, not of the gifted, but of the giver. Say it's Christmas, and you've bought a present for your aunt or nephew or sister or significant other, whatever. There it sits under the tree. What do you want to happen next? Oh, it would be nice to be thanked. 
It would be nice to get another gift in return, sure. But mostly, mostly, what you really want is for that person to unwrap the present, open the box, take out the gift, and enjoy it. Use it for what it was made for. That's the real joy of giving something to somebody you love. Whatever gift you're sitting there with right here, right now, that's my challenge for you for the rest of this term. For the lectures that are left, for the quizzes and the essays and the exams, here's what you need to do. Unwrap your gift. Get the best out of what is in you. It's the one way to be sure of pleasing the giver of every good gift because it's why he gave it to you in the first place. Whether he's given you the gift of an A student or a B student or whether you're sitting there beside Peppermint Patty in the D-minus Hall of Fame, he'd love to see you using your gift. And he won't ask for more return on his investment than you can give him. Because you, my friend, are his beloved son, his beloved daughter. And to the Father, you are a rare gem. Let's pray. Father, you've given more than we could ever ask or imagine. And you've promised us much more. You've promised us yourself. Thank you that you are the giver of every good, every perfect gift. And that you never change. Help us, we pray, to be faithful with what you've given to unwrap our gifts, and mostly to enjoy them because they come to us from a Father who loves us. Amen. Thank you.